You're listening to In My DM Podcast. I'll be having one-on-one conversations with the movers and shakers of the Des Moines Metro. We're discovering what makes Des Moines the fastest growing city in the Midwest. I'm Crystal and I'm your host. I'm a West Side transplant, pop culture enthusiast, beauty blogger, and solo entrepreneur. This is In My DM Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the second episode of In My DM Podcast. I'm Crystal, I'm your host, and we are here today in downtown Adel in the beautiful home of Bryce Smith from the Dallas County Democrats. How are you? Good, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. I'm going to preface this interview by saying that um, right now is a very interesting time, I feel like, in American history. Like, when have we ever had a billionaire reality TV star as our president? Right. Regardless of what side of the fence that you're on, it really is like, it's really history in the making, literally. With that being said, I would really like to know, like, what's the, what is the atmosphere like right now in the political world? Is it, uh, especially here in Iowa, is it, is everyone Mm -hmm. pretty like excited or are they nervous or like, what, what is it like? Well, in Iowa, we kind of, especially during a presidential year, we always kind of have that energy because we're that first in the nation. We have a pretty into it and educated voter base who like really wants to like ask questions and get the answers. So that's kind of energizing uh, compared to some other places in the country. You know, being involved in politics now for about eight years, you can definitely tell a little bit of a shift of like the civility in politics and being able to, you know, talk about some of those issues that are kind of difficult sometimes to talk about. But yet for many years, you were still able to have that civil conversation. And I'm afraid, not always, but a lot of times in recent, you know, years, we've lost some of that kind of civility and like being able to like talk about the issues and maybe come to common ground. Um, and and I think it just it's happening on all sides in all ways and sometimes it's just not enjoyable. I agree. So today we are talking about all things Iowa caucuses. I would really like to know, you know, what are the Iowa caucuses? Mm-hmm. Because I grew up in Atlanta and then I lived in Texas and I remember whenever it were was an election year, I remember hearing about the Iowa caucuses. Mm-hmm. I, I remember the words, but I don't necessarily know anyone who took part in a caucus and i really don't even know what the word caucus means <laughs> <laughs> i know i don't, i like i would like to do a little bit more history on the name <laughs> well i think one big part of the iowa caucuses goes all the way back to like the 1970s so in the early parts of that election year or in that decade um it was very contentious inside the democratic party per se um, the Republicans were actually pretty okay at that time, but the Democratic Party was really at a turning point in how they wanted their party to look and how their leadership was decided. And so they really put an emphasis on spreading out this kind of election process. So it wasn't all just on one Tuesday in March or one Tuesday in June. So the whole country was doing the same thing at the same time. They wanted to kind of spread it out to give not only candidates, but voters a chance to build their party, but also find more in common with people running for office, in particular the presidential election, which is really the biggest part of the Iowa caucuses. So in Iowa, we caucus every two years, but really the most important ones are centered around the presidential side. This year, and particularly the Democratic side, because Democrats are vying to take on Trump. I did see that 
the Republicans are still having a caucus, even though Trump is basically the candidate. But there are some people who are still um, going to go head to head with him. Well, yeah. So the biggest part of the caucus process for both Democrats and Republican is actually building and organizing the political party. So it's not just like a voting mechanism. It's also a really in-depth look and way of building and organizing and electing leadership and also crafting the future of the party. The Iowa caucuses for the Democratic side is hyper-focused on picking a candidate for the nomination or who will send off to say Iowa is supporting this person or this person won. But also right after that, on that same night, we're going to talk about the party platform, what issues are important to Democrats, who is going to go on as a delegate. So who's who was picked by their peers in their neighborhood or their precinct to go on and potentially pick the actual nominee for president. It's a two way street. It's like doing two things at one time. Uh, we're building the party. Both sides do it. So the Republicans will still caucus and they're going to talk about the party platform. They're going to talk about who they want to go on to the county convention and then the district convention and then the state convention and then the national convention. Although the Republican side probably isn't going to be too contested. You know, we have Donald Trump running for re-election. You know, there will be people who challenge him. And that's the beauty of our democracy and, and being able to do that. But then also we're going to see that they're not going to be as many people turning out on the Republican side, whereas the Democratic side, you know, we have eight, nine, ten, a lot, a lot ten people still running for president and they're still building support. There's still people who are getting into their corners and their sides. So it's going to the Democratic side this year is going to see a, a much higher turnout, just mainly because there's a lot more energy and, and people organizing on that side. So tell me what the Iowa caucuses look like physically when you walk in there. Because, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I have this image in my head that it's just like a bunch of people swanking around with cocktails and yeah. high-fiving each other. Like, what is it? So you walk in and, and what do you see? Right. So, like, a lot of people compare this to voting, which is very, kind of very sacred. You know, it's kind of private. You walk in, you you get your ballot. It's secure. It has a little envelope. You know, you go into, like, a little cubicle and you vote and then you seal it and then you, you know, you send it in or you... you you put it through the machine. This is like walking in and waving your hand as your vote. Everyone sees you. Everyone gets the chance to maybe meet you. And what's really nice is in Iowa, we divide it down to the precinct level. So in Dallas County, we have about 80,000 people who live in Dallas County. Um, we have 34 precincts. So you essentially, each area kind of has a geographical quadrant. And then those neighborhoods or that group of people get together. If you're a Democrat, you'll go with the Democrats. If you're a Republican, you'll go with the Republicans. And you will kind of walk in, you'll check in, make sure that your voter registration is up to date and make sure your information is correct. You'll go into the room. And then usually there's one or two people who are kind of like the chair. So they're the ones that are gonna follow the agenda and make sure we get through everything and stay on task and kind of be the teacher of the night. It is really just a big social networking tool. It's meant to bring people together and talk about issues that are important current event-wise, what's going on right now, but also what's going on nationally and in our party and in our own communities. It's kind of a beautiful, raw way of voting um, and also getting to know 
people who might be the same who are like-minded just like-minded people because it's important to um i feel like especially in this climate it's important to share ideas and it's important Mm -hmm. to um know that there are other people who share your same beliefs and the beautiful thing is like even within the democratic party even within the republican party there's big differences among people so Mm -hmm. to bring those people together and talk about those differences even within that party i think is a healthy way of talking about the issues that are important to all of us and finding the best way forward, bringing people together, talking about the issue, and then hopefully brainstorming and getting the best answers. Yeah, I agree. And I even feel like it, I wish that we could do more um, across party lines talking like, because I I feel like that's healthy, you know, just because we have different views doesn't mean that we have to be so fierce about it, you know? Right, right. So many... And really, at the end of the day, it feels like 80, 90% of what we do day in, day out that has any topic around politics, really, we a lot of us agree on. You know, we agree on these issues. And it's like the 10% of issues that are like those divisive mm-hmm. wedge issues that just constantly get brought up that, yes, they're important, but they're not always the definition of who we are. So I definitely, I like to have those talks and those conversations especially with people who i don't see eye to eye with whether it's politics or anything and it's fun to just get to know people and see what we have in common over what divides us and what is not necessarily the the bridging factors yeah i absolutely agree so i was talking to someone about the caucuses somebody who grew up here in iowa and she dropped a little piece of information and she said that former president barack obama got a great boost by his performance in the 2008 Iowa caucuses. Do you have any insight on that and how the caucuses can shape the outcome of an election? You know, it is such a a roller coaster of events. You know, it starts a year ago. A lot of these candidates, and even in 2008 when Barack Obama was running, he started in like March. Yeah, March of 2007 was when he was coming to Iowa and introducing himself. And so, I mean, this is a long process for a lot of these candidates, building a team, hiring staff, crisscrossing the state. You know, we have 99 counties and and it's just kind of a, a crazy time for someone to try to convince people to vote for them. So yeah, in 2008, Barack Obama who really was not a a well-known figure in in national politics, was from Illinois. So, I mean, close to Iowa. Uh, So some people knew who he was and where he came from, so they could relate to him on that sense. He was really the first African-American to really put together a formidable campaign in either party. He was crisscrossing one of the most white population states in the country asking for their vote. Um, And really, it was the last three weeks before the Iowa caucuses that really propelled Barack Obama to a victory in Iowa, which then catapulted him, trampolined him across the country to win the nomination on the Democratic side. So yeah, that is the power that the Iowa caucuses have Mm -hmm. on kind of some not well-known candidates. You know, he was running against Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, people who had been in politics for 30 years. And it was kind of exciting to see someone new to the game show up and say some new things and do some new things and kind of see the reward the result of a really good organized team. Yeah. When, one thing that I remember um, very clearly about former President Obama is that he um, was very eloquent. He was very well-spoken. He could capture an audience so well. I, I just feel like um, he would have been a good pastor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he's very, he's just, you know, you're just kind of like in awe whenever you watch him speak. It's He's great. He reminds me of uh, 
well, I wasn't alive, but what Kennedy would have been like. Right. You know, just young and, and I don't know. I really miss him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like millennials are really coming out, supporting candidates and showing up for elections like no other time before. Do you feel like that's true? And do you think that the rise in activity is fueled by social media? Well, millennials are finally, the majority of millennials are now in the voting age. So they're over the age of 18. Whereas eight years ago, only about half of that millennial block was over the age of 18. So now we have almost the entire millennial category, age category, in the voting age. Um, and this is going to be really the the first election where that number is going to make a huge impact because so not to interrupt you but just kind of going back to what you just said are you saying that the final age bracket of the millennial generation are able to vote pretty close yeah because this one yeah this election millennials are typically like age 36 Mm -hmm. right now so born in like 1982 ish Mm -hmm. Up to I think born in 2000. Okay. Yeah, um, so if you're two, you know you're you're between 2016 and mm-hmm. 2020, we had that millennial gap where if you turned 18 and you were born in 2000, mm-hmm. you were 2018 is when you turned yeah. 18. So okay. you might have been able to vote two years ago, but you weren't able to vote for a president maybe four years ago. So yeah, that makes sense. It's definitely going to be a changing factor. Also, the millennial block. Now that population across this country outnumbers the baby boomer population and the Gen X population. All so right. the Didn't millennials really have an, a number factor here where if we as millennials mm-hmm. were energized to really make change and do something different, we could band together and do that in mm-hmm. numbers. Really make a difference. Yeah. I believe that this election cycle not just on the Democratic side, but also with Donald Trump and the Republican Party, is really energizing that demographic of age group. And it's going to be a record-setting year in elections, mainly because these folks have been targeted for the last four-plus years to get out and vote. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of them are starting to see maybe some economic prosperity you know they're they're starting to maybe actually be able to pay off their student loans and you know do something else with their life and have a house yes and buy a house you know and and groceries all of that can you believe it and have a baby or anything like that you know so i think that one of the big factors in connecting people especially millennials is social media and sometimes it's a double-edged sword you know we see like fake news and what's credible and who's sharing what and and who's saying what and is it real or is it made up is it opinion and i think it's actually making our generation a little bit stronger in deciding what's real and what's not or what's an opinion and what's fake or what's factual and what's evidence so i really think millennials are kind of leading the way in using social media as a positive tool to share information to actually get our news um, from credible sources it's hard to explain to someone who didn't grow up with a phone in their hand since you know fifth sixth seventh grade even younger now i'm gonna Um, go ahead and uh reveal my age here i had uh, a sidekick i know i had (laughs) my my first (laughs) i remember my parents getting me my first like little flip phone and it was like it's because i had to ride the bus but i had to stay after school to play a sport so i had to like call them to get a ride home because i lived outside of town so it was always like 
And then once I got a car, you know, my parents were like, you got to have this cell phone, but it needs to stay in the glove compartment until you need it. And, and, um, I remember the, the, having to text on those original Nokias where oh, you could like change the antenna and put the case on the yes, phone. Yes, I like, had that. It out. Yeah. And then, you know, you get like the QWERTY keyboard, it like slid up and then you, know, like, you used <laughs> your thumbs awesome. and now it's like, that's all we use. And then the razor. Oh, yeah. Don't even get me Man. started on the razor. I miss the razor. I wish I'd come back out with yeah, it. This is a true throwback Thursday right now. <laughs> it really is. So why Iowa for the caucuses? Do you have an opinion on that? couple things. Um, Iowa's process has always been this longer, the caucus process, which really the caucus process in a lot of states have been happening for hundreds of years. And this is really, the caucus process was really focused on party building, finding the leaders to lead the party. And then in the 1970s is when we really connected that process with selecting a presidential candidate or nominee for that party. So since then, that's kind of the modern caucus process. Iowa's process has always started early because we start in a precinct level. You know, there's 1,800 precincts across the state, and then there are 99 counties, and then there are four districts, and then there's one state convention. Well, if you kind of space that out, and let's say the Democratic National Convention is in July, you got to have a state convention in June, and then you got to have a district convention in May, and then you have to have a county convention in March. That's and then you have to have a caucus, a caucus, <laughs> precinct caucus on in February. Iowa, along with a couple other states, you, you hear like the early four states, they've always kind of had this long process. But when it comes around to the presidential year, it kind of becomes even longer because now you have campaigning to throw into that. And then you have kind of the, the media and the story behind it of like, what's next? What state's next? So in Iowa, it is actually a state law that we have a caucus. Now, those are primarily left up to the political party. It's not really left up to the secretary of state that conducts the elections. Then it's also we as a Democratic Party and a Republican Party are committed to conducting the first Iowa caucus. And it right now it is not a law, but it is kind of a, a followed practice amongst the, the rest of the country is that Iowa will go first. Um, and if someone tries to jump the line, we'll just move our line. We'll just move our date up sooner. So, <laughs> so isn't that a, a slogan for something? Iowa first. Well, we're the first in the nation for the Iowa caucuses, but yeah, Iowa first has always sometimes been a political, a political I I heard slogan it. for okay. some campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So, are there any caucuses in any other states? Yeah, I think there's about nine across the country that caucus. And Nevada is another early state that mm -hmm. also caucuses. So you hear of like the four early states, Iowa, yeah. New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada are early states. New Hampshire and South Carolina conduct a primary. So that's kind of just going in and voting and making sure you're a registered voter and getting a ballot. And Iowa and Nevada do this caucus process, which is a little bit more focused on the political party um, rather than just voting for a person or for that candidate. So when are the caucuses? I know they're in February. Yep. I'm not sure when. So in Iowa, the first Monday in February currently is the, the rule of thumb. Now, eight years ago, in 2008, so more than eight years ago, uh, 12 <laughs> years ago, it was the first week of January. That was kind of chaotic because you're coming off of the holiday season. And obviously this time of year is not the greatest for weather in Iowa. You know, you can't imagine what, <laughs> what the weather might do. One day it might be 50 degrees, the next time it might be a blizzard. So it's always kind of a challenge in that sense of like, when do we time it? When is it done to make sure that people can participate, but also that it gives the rest of the country time and the rest of the 
caucus process in Iowa time to get all the things done and, and get people through the process. So, okay. Um, so what, when is the first February or the first Monday in February? Is that the mo- the third? So February, February 3rd, 3rd okay. um, will be the, the night of the caucus. And it's a, uh, it starts at 7 PM for both political parties. Okay. Um, and no matter where you live in Iowa, there is a, you live in a precinct and that precinct is meeting somewhere. So you can find that information. Usually local media has that or the political party website in that county or the for the state. Put in your zip code and it tell you like, okay, well, if you live here, you know, this is where your location is. This is where you need to show up. You just need to be there before seven o'clock so that uh, we can get started at seven. Do you seven. need to register, sign up? Um, you don't have to register to like attend. You just need to be a registered Democrat or a registered Republican to participate in either caucus. So if you want to caucus for, let's say, a particular candidate in the Democratic field, mm-hmm. you'll want to make sure that you're either a registered Democrat now. So if you are right now, you're good. You'll just show up. You'll find your name on the, on the list and you'll checkmark it or highlight it. If you're so- not a registered voter or not a registered Democratic voter, you can show up that night and fill out the voter registration form and just change your party affiliation. And then for a lot of people, that's kind of sacred to be, you know, that independent, or maybe you're switching from a Republican to caucus for someone you believe is a better choice. The next day or in two weeks, you can always change your party affiliation back to whatever you want. Uh, Your vote is still counted and was cast in the caucus process but um yeah that that was going to be my next question because i'm an independent Mm -hmm. um so if i wanted just for information purposes to to go to the democratic caucus i would go i would register myself as a quote democrat Mm -hmm. and then whenever it was over when it was actually time to vote for the presidential you know election i could switch back to independent and that wouldn't affect my vote at all no right right Right. And there are options like if like if you are coming for your podcast or if you're coming as like a a reporter or a journalist, you can attend a caucus and not necessarily participate, which means you don't have to necessarily be a registered voter to do that. So you'll you'll see on caucus night, there'll be hundreds of news outlets across the state inside these caucus locations. You know what's going on? You know, this kind of relaying the news back home those people aren't participating in the caucus they're just observing and spectating and reporting on the caucus process so Mm -hmm. that is another scenario but if you are a resident in iowa and don't have the credentials to necessarily be a part of the media or journalism you're asked to participate or observe you can observe you can kind of sit off to the sideline and watch the process Mm -hmm. why is it important do you think to take part in the caucuses do you think it's important If you are a part of a political party and you are a Democrat, you are a Republican, this is your chance to shape the future of that party that you belong to. So if you are in agreement with something or if you want to promote something in particular, this is your chance to, you know, make your voice heard and shape the future of the political party that you're a part of. Now, for a lot of people who aren't necessarily a part of that a political party or like their independent status or don't know who to vote for. A lot of people observe this process knowing that someone else is going to make that decision. So there is a lot of pressure riding on the outcome of the Iowa caucuses across the entire state, but across the entire world. Um, People look to this as it's time for, you know, time for America to make up their mind and we're going to make Iowa decide it for us or be a part of that process. So um, you never think, um, of how large of an impact our choices make as Americans on like a, a global 
level. Right. I've never thought about that until you just said it. It's true. Right. It, it is important in the, the global arena. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's so important to make your voice heard. And it is a form of voting. I mean, it really is, even though it's maybe not kosher with the Secretary of State or the elections office, they still have a part in this. So the reports go to the Secretary of State's website and they see how many people caucused. They don't necessarily know who caucused for who, but they just want to see, you know, people who showed up and, and the numbers in, in places. So, so I uh, didn't ask you in the beginning. So um, how are you connected to the Des Moines Metro? Are you, do you live, work, and play in any of the six counties that make up the Des Moines Metro? Yeah, I was born and raised here uh, in Iowa. I was born up by Waterloo, and then uh, my family uh, relocated down here when I was young to Dallas County. And I lived here, went to school here, graduated high school from here, went to college here in Iowa. And then after graduating college, wanted to move back to this area, um, Dallas County, kind of suburb of Des Moines. And fell back in love with the community that helped raise me and then um, ended up buying a small business here in town, uh, Bowling Alley Bar and Grill. Uh, that's a passion of mine, but also now, uh, you know, my my livelihood and and, and my, so much fun. It, it is so much fun. <laughs> Shout out um, Adel yeah. Family Fun Center. That's right. Adel Family Fun Center. We've yeah. been a few times. Love yeah. fun. I love yes. it. Uh, we, I love it. I love seeing the people come in. It's it's a great asset to our communities, but it's also just, it's a great business to be a part of. Um, so that's what really connects me to my, my roots. And then I try to spend as much time and energy in Dallas County, in Polk County, which is where Des Moines is. But Iowa and, and Central Iowa in, in its beauty is quaint and fun. And there's there's nothing huge, but there's enough to do. That's just, it's There's fun. enough to start a podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the fun part, rapid fire questions. Yeah. So are you a native, transplant, or captive? Native. Do you own a ray gun shirt? I do. Um, What's your favorite? My favorite is... Iowa deserves equity and a side of ranch. <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. And then I have another one that is a little bit more political that I don't get to wear out as often, but it says, Dear Universe, sorry about Donald Trump. <laughs> I uh, love that one. <laughs> I have one and it says, Iowa needs Tupac. That's a good one. <laughs> yes. Oh, I have a Iowa needs more or um, the world needs more teachers. That's, That's always a, a fun one. one to watch because, you know, we all have that favorite teacher and we need another one of them. That's true. That is true. So they always have some really fun and interesting stuff. I love it. So little fun fact. So Jason, my partner, his son, uh, he is just turned 11 mm -hmm. and he's not from Iowa. He's from Texas. Right. And he always refers to the Iowa Hawkeyes as the Iowa hot guys. <laughs> and there's a Ray gun shirt. It says Iowa hot guys with a little, with a little uh, <laughs> Iowa logo. It's the best. I have to go get it. So last one. What is the most quintessentially Des Moines thing that you can think of? Well, a couple things. If you're ever downtown, especially at night, we have the Traveler, the LE or the Neon Traveler oh, umbrella That's a good light one. up sign. That is always kind of you see in kind of the background of images uh -huh. and so on and so forth. That totally also, screams Des Moines, it does. Yes. And also the Iowa State Fair. It's not this time of year, but yeah. in August, second week of August is the Iowa State Fair, and it's the largest state fair in the country, um, and millions of people come to it, and you can literally eat anything you want on a stick that's fried, 
from salad to Twinkies. Bacon. Bacon. <laughs> you name it. They have put it on a stick and they have deep fried it. Um, and you get to see every animal and creature native to Iowa. <laughs> I've missed two already. And I keep saying I'm going to get there because people always say, you, you got to go. You, I even haven't if you've missed been to one. other state fairs. You I've haven't been missed one. 28 years. Actually, 29. <laughs> I think my mom walked around the Iowa State Fair pregnant to the boat with me <laughs> so literally i've i've been Never going to, no my grandparents has have camped there you know like we used to spend all the time there that we could that is fantastic yeah and then going back to the caucus process this last year all those candidates went there they stumped on the soapbox they walked around you got a chance to meet them and see them and hear them and like that more natural setting you know mm-hmm. out in the out in the wilderness of iowa <laughs> um so that's definitely a big one and that's in des moines so um but it only happens you know for 10 days in august but uh yeah very cool well thank you so much i really appreciate you sitting down and talking with me i learned so much absolutely and uh yeah great well thank you for having me and i'm so excited for this podcast and i hope everyone tunes in and listens to crystal she's an awesome person <laughs> here in our community and and doing great things. So if you know anyone that is interesting, motivational, or unique in any of the six counties that make up the Des Moines Metro, that's Polk, Dallas, Warren, Madison, Guthrie, or Jasper counties, send an email to inmydmpodcast at gmail.com.